I can get that. But then a trumpet, <laughs> not a sword, a trumpet right. in the other yeah. hand. And, and so this is just an odd detail of an army that is about to march against a very formidable enemy. And again, I think it's saying the weapon doesn't matter. Our weapon is God. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry, and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us. I am Daniel Parks. I serve as the West Coast Regional Shepherd for Love Life and also serve as the director of our sidewalk ministry here with Love Life. And I'm joined, as always, by Vicki Cassiorg. Say hey, Vicki. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. And Vicki is our sidewalk outreach training director. She's involved in training and equipping people across the nation to do sidewalk outreach and do it effectively and also in leading, helping lead the sidewalk ministry here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And just a little yep. disclosure here, we are recording remotely. And uh, so if the audio is a little different and maybe there's some delays or something, it should sound pretty good for you guys. But if that's the case, it's because we're recording remotely. But these episodes are so important to you guys, and therefore they're so important to us, that even when we're hindered, by time and space and, and all of that, we like to record. And so, um, again, we're doing it from our homes. And uh, we'll jump into this pretty quick. The foundation for this is something that we're experiencing, this uh, particular subject, something we've experienced here in Charlotte. Um, I mean, it's just a common thing with ministries in general. And it's not having the amount of people that you think you might need, like having yeah. A small pool of volunteers having days on the sidewalks where, you know, you'd love to have five people out there, but you really only have two. So we're going to be talking through that. How do you how do you navigate having smaller teams than you would like? We'll give you some encouragements along those lines. Before we jump into it, though, I do want to encourage you guys to take advantage of our Sidewalks for Life website, sidewalks, the number four life.com. It's where all of the articles that are the frameworks for these episodes exist. And also check out our podcast website, gospelcenteredprolife.com, where you can find all of our episodes. You can find um, episodes based on keywords and things. If you wonder if we covered a, a particular subject, almost guaranteed we covered that subject in some way, shape, or form. So check out that, gospelcenteredprolife.com. And then, again, the sidewalks, the number four, life.com website. And we will give you guys our email addresses at the end of this episode in case you have some questions, maybe need some clarity on what we covered in this or other episodes. You can definitely reach out to us via email. So let's jump into it, Vicki. Maybe share a little bit of the foundation from your heart of writing this article, and then um, we'll jump into the, the different um, headings that you have in this article. When I, uh, every month, I do a team lead meeting with the people that are in charge of each daily team yeah. at, um, at the different, different abortion centers here in Charlotte and the overwhelming single issue that they say they're facing that makes it difficult to minister is small teams. Overwhelmingly. Yeah. That's what I hear across the nation too. And in, in my travels, you know, helping to train people across the nation is 
not enough workers, not yeah. enough people to to do what we need to do. And it's such a common refrain and a common um, concern, and it's uh, depressing. Uh, it can really sure. be very discouraging. And I just felt, I think we've done everything we know to do. It's We talk about it every single meeting when we meet with our city director. Well, what can we do to make this issue go away? And, um, and it never seems to go away. And even when we have large teams, sickness or vacations or whatever, whittle them away um, so that the smaller team is the norm. And... Um, I have not seen a difference in, in effectiveness. And to tell you the truth, I think smaller teams are more effective. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, um, but I just thought maybe this is one of those issues that we truly need to reframe how we think about it. Okay. Instead of thinking that large teams are better, maybe there is some sort of biblical guidance that that is not what God intends. Yeah. So, um, I and I think a strong case could be made for that from okay. um, uh, from this passage, anyway. Um, other other places in the Bible too, but this is very relevant. Judges seven, verses one through eight. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, but I am going to read the middle section of that passage because for you to understand all of the points that we're going to try to raise, um, I think you do need to hear these verses. So I think it's starting at about, about verse three in Judges seven. The people who are with you, this is God speaking to Gideon. And Gideon is about to go bring his army out to fight the Midianites. And, um, and he's got a very large army. Yeah. And God says, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 wow. remained. So 10,000 remained to fight the army, the Midianites. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Unusual request. Right. <laughs> Unusual test. Anyway, so he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. So this, I think, sets up many... I think, incredibly valuable principles as we consider um, the optimal team. Yeah. And I, I don't think that we need to do a test down by the river, but <laughs> to yeah, see maybe. how people lap water. Maybe we uh, maybe. give them water bottles maybe. and find out how they drink out of a water bottle or they squirt it into their mouth. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's some other test. <laughs> Um, but the more I re read that and really 
parsed these verses and really thought about them, the more I began to question that in this battle, might there be benefits to a very small army? And clearly in this case, God felt there were. In fact, notice notice what he says, the people are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Yeah. There is a team that in his mind was too large to do the work that he wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, I mean Yeah, and of course mind. the the issue is God deserves the glory for it and you know if you got 22,000 I mean more than 22,000 people obviously are here but got this large group of tens of thousands of people um you could say well we did it in our, in our own strength at the end of the day what we do, we do unto the Lord, and it's actually the Lord doing it through us, right, as ministers of the gospel. If we've got a big team, maybe we'll gloat and how big, oh, man, we saw three babies saved today because we had such a big team. Well, wait a minute. No, it's not because you had such a big team. It's because God chose in his mercy to use your big team or your small team to save babies. So. You know, again, it's like God is saying, I'm going to get the glory for this, not you and your army. And and he comes right out and says that in in this passage, because you'll take the credit for yourself. And that's not going to help anyone. I I get the credit. Yeah. (laughs) To to him belongs the glory. So um, when the teams are small, we can rely less on um, on the size of our our group and rely more on God, and and then of course not only rely more on God, but give God um, more of the credit or all yeah. the credit, honestly, because we know in our own power, two is not enough, and <laughs> um, yeah. we we always have a minimum of two. Um, even sometimes that is stretching it. Sometimes there's one, and maybe someone who's praying who we don't yeah. even know, but at least there's another body on the sidewalk. But I will tell you just this week, there were two different days, two different settings where I was there with just one other person and both days, two babies were saved. Um, And I, you know, whereas the day the larger team didn't see any saved, not that that necessarily correlates. I'm not actually saying that. But what I am saying is um, God can work (laughs) with large or small. And, um, and, And I think our... Um, concern for having large teams has become um, an impediment yeah. to our um, to our morale. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, also no discouraged. We're always saying, "Well, we only have two. and I think we should be saying, "Oh, praise God, we have two. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so kind Amen. of just a different way of, of of looking at it. The second thing that um, was how God uh, was how he winnowed those teams down right small team and the the first thing he did was he said if you're afraid leave yeah go away he doesn't shame them he just says um for any of you who are fearful and afraid depart at once yeah and um how many left Twenty two thousand. yeah uh and only and only twenty two thousand. more than half or uh, um yeah, because 10,000 were left. So two-thirds of the people left because they were fearful. And um, and to me, I I doubt that there were 10,000 people who had no fear right. left. I suspect that 
they their fears were smaller than their desire uh, to serve God in this valuable mission. Right. And right. and so the fears were not as they weren't important to them at yeah. the same level, at least of of those um, people that left. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think and we need to acknowledge in the ministry that we're called to on the sidewalk that there is always a certain level of fear. Yeah. Um, we are called, well, someone said that courage is not the absence of fear, it's doing the right thing in spite of fear, right? And so you guys that are serving on the sidewalk, you're serving in courage. You guys are certainly courageous. Um, but your fear of the Lord is stronger than your fear of of man. And so you walk through that fear and, you know, it can be all kinds of reasons to be afraid out there on the sidewalk, people threatening, people driving by and cursing you and, you know, other things, demonic attacks and all that stuff. But you guys press in in spite of that. And, you know, apparently these 22,000, their fear of the battle or whatever was more, um, was stronger than their fear of the Lord and their desire to serve him. Again, he doesn't shame them. He just says, hey, let's just be honest, guys. If you're afraid, uh-huh. then depart. Because at the yep. end of the day, yep. this is a, this is a phrase I've been using a lot with my teams, just encouraging them. Um, God doesn't need you. <laughs> is that encouraging for you? He doesn't need any of us. <laughs> God don't need you. He don't need you. Right. Um, but right. he chooses to use you. So God doesn't need 22,000, these 22,000 people. He doesn't need these 10,000 people. But he yeah. chose to winnow people out, like you said, based on their level of fear. So that was the first winnow. And then the second one was this very unusual going down to the river and watching how they drink water. And right. I heard a sermon about this. Maybe many of you have heard this before as well, um, because when I was a new Christian, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> but um, the one, he, he, he watched how they lapped water. And there were some that apparently were more upright, and they would bring the water in their hands up to their mouth. So they're in an upright posture. Um, and then there were the ones that went down on all fours and lapped the water with their tongue like a dog directly yeah. from the river. So the one, the first of those is obvious, a more wary, vigilant posture. They're looking, they're in a position to look around, to observe their surroundings, um, to, um, to shift their focus to wherever danger might be. Whereas the ones lapping the water like a dog, their focus is on the water, (laughs) on, on lapping the water. That's all they see. They're not seeing around them. Um, so I think what he's doing in that test is finding who is going to have focused vigilance in my work. Right. And I think that is very smart. God is so smart. Yes. Yes, he (laughs) is. I think it is. I think it is a really critical component and I have noticed it in the people that I like, I see them the first time and think they are going to be good. And I think that's one of the qualities. There is this focused laser beam vigilance to the mission, to the task. And they're not distracted by all the other things that, um, that can distract us out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would much rather have two people that are keenly focused, like what you're talking about, two sidewalk people that are vigilant, 
their eyes are open. They're paying attention to what's going on out there. They're not searching on their phones constantly and distracted by other things. They're focused. Then to have 10 people that are just chit-chatting and not really out there seriously. Because those two people that are vigilant and that are focused are going to be far more effective than a group of 10 people that are just, you know, out there for whatever, whatever reason, you know. Yeah, I I think that is exactly the point that that he's trying to make in this passage. Yeah. And so um so I think maybe we all might want to rethink our looking for larger teams and maybe we need to be looking for the very few who have an absolute desire to follow God's plan no matter what. They're really willing to die to to follow God. Um they they are, I am certain, afraid, but their fears don't matter as much as the goal that God has set before them. They're yeah. going to reach that goal to the best of, of their ability. And um, and then their fears are balanced by a healthy respect for the enemy, which I think is true of the those vigilant ones. They yeah. know the enemy needs to be—he's an adversary. He's a very good—not good, not good um, wily adversary, powerful adversary, and we do do need to be focused and looking around us and aware um, of of his attack. So we're going to be blindsided yeah. um, by him. So um, the par- part that I didn't read, um, but if you go back in this verse, um, the next thing that that is apparent in this verse was the focus was not on traditional weapons. There's 300 that are chosen by God to go into battle. And he doesn't say, now go pick up your strongest, sharpest sword and your strongest shield and put on all your armor. He says, take provisions in one hand and a trumpet in the other. Kind of odd. You know, they're about to go into battle. Right. (laughs) And they're going to bring what they need to survive. I can get that. But then a trumpet. (laughs) Not a sword. A trumpet in the other hand. And, And so this is just an odd detail of an army that is about to march against a very formidable enemy. And again, I think it's saying the weapon doesn't matter. Our weapon is God. Yeah. And um, yeah. the and, Lord's and fighting on their behalf. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it brings, brings me again to the thought of David and Goliath. Right. That, um, you know, the weaponry wasn't what was critical. It was the trust in the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so then in the end, Gideon's small army does secure the victory. And they're very clear this is a, mir- and it was miraculous. It was yeah. a very strong army, the Midianites. They basically, it was impossible odds and they won. Yeah. And uh, so they knew that that the deliverance was by God himself. Yeah. And of course, and that, that's ultimately the point, right? The point right. is that the Lord is the deliverer the Lord is, and something we've said a thousand times, and we'll say a thousand more, as sidewalk outreach team members, all that we can do is plant seeds and water seeds. God is the one that gives the increase. The work of saving babies is not ours. It's the Lord's. All we need to do is be willing vessels for the Lord to move through. And that's exactly what was happening here with Gideon's army. These men, these 300 men, whittled down from 32,000 to 300. Um, They experienced 
the Lord's working through them. You guys that are on the sidewalk, whether there's five of you or two of you or 10 of you, whatever, when you see a baby saved, when you see a soul surrender to Jesus and come to know him as Lord and Savior, you are seeing the work of the Lord, not the work of a big team or even a well-trained team. It's the work of the Lord. That doesn't mean, and so just don't don't take from this, guys, that we're not encouraging you guys to build teams. We certainly want you to build teams and encourage as many people to be involved as possible. But we can't trust in that stuff as the means to, to win the battle, right? It's We've got to be trusting in the Lord and walking with Him. Amen. Yeah, and it's, uh, for me, it's a huge encouragement because— um, I, it it has been really really difficult to to find uh, enough people to cover all of the teams what we would consider optimal coverage, yeah. And I really I like the this um, passage and thinking about it um, to recognize that when there's only two two of us out there and these tiny little teams for whatever reason God could change that He could change it in an instant. But he doesn't, and if he doesn't, maybe it's a Gideon story. Maybe yeah. there's a a really good reason that God has those two people specifically um, in this battle Yeah, without a lot of reinforcement. So a scripture comes to mind for me, and as we mm-hmm. got, as we were preparing for this episode, you uh, said you'd study the scripture a little bit too, and this is back yeah. in First Samuel, First Samuel chapter fourteen, and this is the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they're about to go up against this um, Philistine uh, garrison, so maybe about six hundred men that they were going to go up against. And uh, it's verse six, so this is First Samuel fourteen six, and then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, "Come, let us go up over to the garrison of these uncircumcised." And it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And uh, verse 7, so his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, go then, here I am with you according to your heart. And so they ultimately cross over and battle against this uh, group of Philistines and and get victory. Um, But the point is still, it's the point that's made here in the story of Gideon, right? The Lord is not restrained from saving by many or by few. God doesn't need a lot of people to do the work um, that he does. God works through people, and uh, God's going to work through you guys, whether you have a big team or a small team. Yeah. You know, some of the practical advantages of the small team is you're you're not engaged in chit-chat because you can't. You're too busy. Right. The time flies by because you're so busy. You are being fully utilized by God in a way that is, I think, more difficult in a larger team. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, th- so there are advantages even. It's not even only that um, you're not at a disadvantage, but there may be real advantages in, in you being a part of just a small team. And and one of them, definitely, I think the greatest advantage is the recognition that I cannot do this. So it is, God is going to have to do it because yeah. I can't. And and yeah. we really recognize that when we're vulnerable in, in a small team. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 
Yeah. Well, I think we're done with this episode. Yeah. And short, um, short, short and sweet. That's right. Yeah. God doesn't need long episodes of podcasts to encourage people. Right. <laughs> so we're going to wrap this thing up. We appreciate you guys listening. And, uh, as I said at the beginning of this episode, we would love for you guys to reach out to us. You can reach out to me, Daniel, at lovelife.org. You can reach her, Vicky, with a Y, at lovelife.org. Take advantage of our podcast website, Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast. And um, also take advantage of the training and equipping website, sidewalks the number four life.com. Leave us a review, share this podcast episode. And again, reach out to us if you have any questions or any ways we can encourage you guys. And until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you